Thank you, worship team. That lovely, uh, joyful noise to the Lord. Um, is this on? Well, there we go. Um, so this morning, um, I'd like to share with you something that God has been teaching me in my personal life. Um, I've known that uh, I was going to preach this Sunday and next for a few weeks now. And uh, when I first heard about this, I started praying and seeking the Lord's guidance for what to share with you this morning. Because it is a, a great privilege, but also a great burden to be able to come up here and share God's word with you. Um, so this message is something that God has really put on my heart, and I've been learning myself. And I pray that it'll be something that we can all learn from and all take something away from this morning. So today our main passage is going to be in Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. And as you're turning there, I'd like to just set up the stage with a little bit of context for our passage. So in the passage prior to this, the Sadducees, who were religious leaders of the day, they did not believe in the resurrection after death. And they tried to trap Jesus by asking him a hypothetical question. This question had to do with if a woman were to die and she had been married multiple times on earth, who would be her husband in the resurrection? Now, Jesus not only answered their question in verse 30, but then he corrects the Sadducees about the resurrection in verse 31. And that leads us into our passage here this morning. The Pharisees have heard this response of Jesus and now they've decided that it's their turn to try to ask Jesus a tough question. So Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this beautiful morning. And I want to thank you that we are able to gather here this morning as your people, and read freely from your word. I pray, Lord, that the words spoken here today will reveal truth about you. And I pray, Lord, that these words won't just be my own, but will speak to directly from you and speak to everyone's heart who's here, including my own, Lord. I pray that you will give me the words to say, and I pray, Lord, that you'll give us all ears to hear. In your holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. So this morning, I'd like to share six, six things, six points from this passage, from the heart of this passage. The first is this, that loving God is the first and greatest commandment. We see from this passage that we just read, 
that there are two commandments stated by Jesus when asked what is the greatest commandment. The first is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. We notice that he specifically puts loving God before loving others in this passage. Now, our church mission statement is on the front of our bulletins. It's posted out and framed out in the foyer. And we've spoken about it a lot in the last year at both congregational meetings, board meetings, and on Sunday mornings. And it should be up on the screen. Uh, On the next slide, there should be the church mission statement. So let's read this out together, because this is not just Pastor John's mission statement. This is not just Abe's mission statement. This is our mission and what we want to see for this church. So let's read this together. We are committed to the Lord Jesus and his commands to love God, love each other, and our neighbors, and to carry out his commission to make disciples. Amen? Amen. So what I'd like to point out in our mission statement, as well as, and more importantly, from the passage that we just read, we notice that loving God comes first. Loving others is second. We must love God first and foremost in our lives before we can either then love others. This leads us into our second point of this morning. We know that we love God when we love others. So loving God leads to loving others. And John states in 1 John verse 4.20, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. In other words, we cannot love God. It is not possible to love God and not love each other. John further illustrates this point in the next chapter, chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children also. This is saying that if we truly love God, we will also love his children, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Loving others is the evidence of our love for God. Let me say that again. Loving others is the evidence of our love for God. Carrying on, verses 2 to 3. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Matthew 11.30, we also have Jesus saying, His yoke is easy and his burden is light. So what is this passage saying to us today? It's telling us how do we love others? We love others by loving God. 
And how do we know that we love God? By obeying and carrying out his commands. But remember, these commands are not burdensome. They will flow naturally out of us when we are fully loving God with all we have, all of our being, with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength. So the first two points that we've made here this morning is first that loving God comes first and loving others is a natural response of loving God. If we focus on loving God, we will find that our love for others follows afterward. Now, coming back to our main text in Matthew chapter 22, many of you may be aware that Jesus did not actually make a new law here in the text. This idea of loving God with all that we have is not a new idea unique to the New Testament. In fact, it is at the center of Old Testament teachings. Jesus is quoting here the Old Testament, and we find this passage that he's quoting in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. This verse is known as the Shema because the Hebrew word of the first word here is Shema in Hebrew. So let's read Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Or sorry, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So one observation that we can make from this passage is that the essence of loving God is encapsulated in the idea of complete obedience to God's commands. In verse 6, we hear these commands that I give you today. These commands include the preceding laws of the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy and the name Deuteronomy comes to us from the Greek title of the book, which means second law. Not to say that this is a new second law, but a fulfilling of, uh, or a second telling of the law, a copy or repetition of the law. So we see that it is fitting that loving God is used as a preface for the commands of God. If there is one thing that we take away from this message here this morning, I hope that it is this. That it is not possible to love God, yet not obey Him. Let me say that again. It is not possible to love God and not obey God. This command to love God is linked from the very beginning to obedience. And the majority of the rest of Deuteronomy is a reminder to the Israelites to obey God's commands and a reminder that by obeying, they are fulfilling their love for God. This idea is not exclusive to the Old Testament, although for us New Covenant believers, 
the law operates in a different way in our lives because Christ has fulfilled the old covenant law. So our third point is that love requires obedience. In the New Testament, Jesus states in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And continuing on a few verses later, in 21 to 24, whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Here is a really important disclaimer. Obedience is to be a response or fruit that stems out of our love for God. Jesus is not saying, if you obey me, then I will love you back. Jesus is not saying, if you obey me, then I will accept your love. Love is not the fruit of obedience. That is backwards. Obedience is the fruit of our love. Amen? Amen. No amount of obedience can make God love you more. And obeying God will not gain, give you entrance into the kingdom of God alone. Obedience is supposed to flow naturally out of our overwhelming love for Jesus. When we are fully in love with Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God will dwell within us. And as Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 5, 16 and 18, So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. And verse 18, But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. If we are led by the spirit of God, we are not under the Old Testament law of God. With this being said, it is essential for us to find out what the commands of Jesus are that are referred to in John 14, 15. What are these commands that Jesus is saying we must obey? Well, we see in our, main, our first text of Matthew 22, in verse 40, Jesus closes the story by saying, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. The two commands, first, to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and all of our mind, and the second command of loving our neighbor as ourself. Christ is saying that we don't need to worry about following all the rules, and that the very nature of the law is present when we obey these commands, when we have a love for God and when we have a love for others. 
if we focus on these two greatest commandments, first loving God and second loving each other, then we will not need to worry about a list of do's and don'ts. They will become naturally present in our obedience to Christ and imitation of him. And this leads us into our fourth point. That God desires our love and obedience. Now as new covenant believers, it is very tempting to ignore the Old Testament. Sometimes we feel that it's difficult to relate to the material. Sometimes we, we can't see a connection between ourselves and the Israelites. But it's really important that we understand all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And that when the New Testament was written, they only had the Old Testament Scriptures. And there are many verses to point out this truth. But Hebrews 13.8 and James 1.17 come to mind. That God never changes. The God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the New. Both the Old Testament God and the New Testament God emphasize an importance of obeying God and loving Him. This is illustrated in 1 Samuel 15.22. This is where Samuel is rebuking King Saul for not obeying the Lord's commands. And when he's told to, to uh, defeat the Amalekites, he keeps a bunch of the, the best flocks. And when confronted by Samuel, Saul says, well, I was going to offer it to the Lord. And this is what 1 Samuel 15.22 says. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. This reminds me of an old song written back in the 70s by Keith Green. I don't know if you're familiar with it. But the lyrics are, to obey is better than sacrifice. This is Samuel's rebuke of King Saul for his disobedience to the Lord. Samuel is calling Saul and calling him out and saying, God doesn't want the sacrifices. God wants you to obey him. Micah 6, verses 6 to 8, it reads, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And verse 8, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. A 
All of these things mentioned first require an obedience to God and what God requires of us. And second, it speaks to the nature of God's will for his people. And we are his people. If we obey these commands of justice and love and mercy, walking humbly with God, we can be transformed to be more Christ-like. Our fifth point for this morning is that we only love because Christ first loved us. Christ loved us first. Even when we weren't walking with him, Christ loved us. 1 John 4, verses 7 to 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And later on in the same chapter in verse 19, he says, We love because he, referring to Christ, first loved us. Amen? This means that we can only love because Christ has shown us what it is to love. Our love for God can only be a reality in our lives when we imitate the love that we have witnessed from Christ. This imitation of God is a natural response to those who you admire most. Let me share an, a personal example of this. When I was much younger, I was about six years old, I loved my dad. In my mind, my father was the greatest example of a father and a man. At that time, my dad was working full-time as a roofer. For those of you who don't know, roofing is a very labor-intensive job and it is not very desirable. It's a fast-paced environment. Often, safety is overlooked. It's not just hard work, but it puts a lot of strain on your back and joints and other body parts. But for me, I desired strongly to be a roofer because my dad was a roofer, and I wanted to be just like my dad. Later on, amen. <laughs> Later on in life, my dad changed professions and he started driving a truck. We would often sit around watching, I don't know if you've seen the show Ice Road Truckers. Anybody see that show? And me and my dad would sit there watching this show on television and I would hear him dreaming about what it would be like to get out there on a truck and drive on the ice roads, hear the ice cracking under the weight of the vehicle, the adventure and the rush. I soon developed a dream to be a driver on the ice roads. 
I admired my dad so much that I actually went out and got my class one license and dreamt to drive a truck before going to Bible college. This imitation came completely naturally because I loved my dad so much. And the same must be true for our love of Christ. We must love Christ so much and admire what he's done for us so deeply in our lives that we want to be just like him. And this is our sixth and final point. We are to imitate Christ's love and obedience. Ephesians 5, 1 to 2. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This was the NIV version, and this is our Pew Bibles, but I prefer the way that the New American Standard Bible puts the first half, verse 1. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God. We are to imitate Christ's love for us and be obedient to God's will just as Christ was obedient to God's will. Last week in uh, Gordon's message, we talked about Jesus in the garden before his betrayal. And he prays to God and he says, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. And yet as we know, that's not how the story ends. Philippians 2.8 tells us that Christ modeled obedience for us, even unto death, and even until death on a cross. Jesus was obedient to the Father's will to his very last moment here on earth. And we too must follow in his footsteps and be obedient to the commands that Jesus gives us. And we must love God and obey God. James 1.22 also emphasizes this point. And he says, we must not just be hearers of the word. We don't just want to hear the teachings of Jesus, but we must become doers of the word. For what good is it if we hear, but we don't do? What good is it to hear what can save our lives and save our souls and not do it? There's no benefit to that. So I'd like to recap these six points for us quickly. The first is that loving God is the first and greatest commandment and needs to be foremost in our lives. The second is that we know when we love God when we love others. We know that we love God when we love others. Jesus' commands are about love, about love of God and love of others. Third point, and this is probably the most important point of today. Circle this one, underline it, write it ten times, write it on your arm. 
Love requires obedience. We need to be obedient. If we say we love God, we need to obey God. Fourth, God desires our love and obedience, and he has from the beginning. He desired our love and obedience in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and today. Fifth, we only love and know love because Christ first loved us. And sixth, we are to imitate Christ's love and obedience. We must be imitators of God. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up, and they have one more song for us this morning. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word. And we want to thank you for your example. I pray, Lord, that the words spoken here this morning speak to our hearts and become realities in my life as well as everyone else's, Lord. You know that this message is just as much for me as everyone else. And I pray, Lord, that you will take something and make something of it in our lives. And in your holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, thank you, Josh. Well, I think we have a preacher on our hands.